You know what the most dangerous thing in America is, right? Nigga with a library card. <laughs> This is the Most Dangerous Thing in America podcast, a show in which we read books by black authors, and they're talked about by a black author, and you can listen if you are black or not black. That's all right. Okay, this is the final episode of the Fred Moten series. Thank goodness. Uh, We are all very happy to be talking about Fred Moten. But at the same time, also very happy to be done with this book, which was difficult, arduous. So I'm going to talk about my general impressions of the book. But first thing I'm going to do is go ahead and talk about the coda that occurs at the end of the book. going to do this quickly because um, I'm done. I'm done with with Moten. So here's, here's the coda. It's called Resistance of the Object, which is the same name as the prologue. But there is a subtitle, so Resistance of the Object, subtitled Adrian Piper's Theatricality. Now, I don't know a ton about Adrian Piper. I didn't even look into it all that much. I know her through the writings of Thomas Chatterton Williams. And from what I've read of her, I don't love it, but that's fine. But I'm not, like, super familiar with her artwork, so I'm not going to even try to uh, pretend like I am. I'm not going to critique a ton of stuff here i didn't go and search it out or anything like that to be completely honest when i got to the section i was like okay i'm done with the book i'm so happy so anyway here here we go adrian piper's theatricality uh this section is basically piper arguing about the idea or excuse me moton arguing with piper so piper's idea is that performance negates the fetishization process of art as object because once you start doing performance um, and because it's re- reproducible, you're now adding theatricality into your art, and then it's no longer an object. Moden's arguing against her philosophy, not her actions. And so he goes into a long thing. He quotes a lot of uh, Kant and uh, Fried and a couple other writers and their conceptions of what is art and what is object and what is intrinsically beautiful And then he quotes Piper, whose, again, philosophy he disagrees with, but whose theatricality he likes and thinks that it more or less, basically, like, he likes what Kant uh, allowed for in his theorizing of art, and he likes that Piper affirms that, but he doesn't like how she thinks she's affirming it or what her philosophy is supposed to be. I'm going to leave it that vague. I'm going to leave it that vague. But essentially the idea here is about the... I mean, obviously, maybe not obvious. It depends on if you listen to all four podcasts. But the idea of Piper using her body to negate the fetishization of art as an object. But, and how that is literally like how black people are who were originally thought of as objects or things that's kind of a literal link to the resistance of the object the resistance of being a thing but piper doesn't necessarily see it that way and not that kent obviously was not you know even thinking about that kind of stuff um but how his conception of art makes more sense 
linked to Piper's actions, then Piper's conception of art makes sense linked to her own actions. So let's get into my critiques of this of this book just in general. So just way too many ideas stuffed into this section. This book needs to be either like much shorter and just concentrating on one thing or like five to seven times longer. Uh, I, I really feel like each each section could have been blasted out to its own book. You know, like there is so much in each each section. And there is so many times in each section where he says things like what I'm trying to get at here, what I'm seeking to do here. And I really don't feel like a lot of the times it got there. It was like, okay, you're seeking to get there. Really, really slow down and like extrapolate out these points and, and let me see it. And basically every piece that I was pointed to outside of the book was fantastic. Or at least like made sense, you know, like the Mackie was great. I actually sent that essay to my sister who I'll talk about in just a moment. And um, so that was fantastic. I had already read the the uh i believe it's hortense spiller's piece excuse me i had already read the hortense spiller's piece months ago that was great uh the edelman was fine you know um the c.s pierce very good and then i've I've read a little bit of derida a little bit and then um there was more but everything i was pointed to around the book has been fantastic and oh, Bell Hooks is mentioned either in his book or in Edelman's. But either way, everything I've been pointed to outside of the book, very good. Just the, this book, the, the, the concepts, the ideas, fantastic. The execution, not so much. feel like it should have been longer, fleshed out more, or shorter and compact. One of the two, not what it is. What it is is not working for me. Didn't Did not work for me. So that would be... My first thing, and, and nothing illustrates it more than the coda, which is just jam-packed with a bunch of ideas that really could be its own book. So that's one thing. Second thing is, yeah, again, Moten does a lot of telling what the goal is and what his desire is and what his hopes are and what he hopes to prove and what he hopes to define and what is necessary to define, and not much of actually proving those things. And I mean, you know, I'm not holding him to an unfair standard here. Like, every other person I wrote or uh read in association with this book i was like right okay that makes sense i mean doesn't mean that they're right or their ideas are you know oh yeah that makes sense so your ideas are right no it just made sense like i get what you're trying to say i might disagree might be wrong i might disagree with it um like edelman for instance i didn't like edelman's whole thing about uh what did he say oh yeah the idea that it sounded a lot like he was saying like black people need to have more accountability because it was like Oh, yeah, they're either saying if they're anti-homosexuals, they'll be like, uh, well, that came from the white man bringing uh, homosexuality in on us. And if they're anti-homophobia, they'll be like, well, that's uh, uh, something that came from white people. Black people are actually way more open and uh, than we're, we're taught this homophobic idea. And, um, you know, he might not be wrong in the sense that the the black community could look it, look in on itself and ask, like, where am I at fault? Okay, that's fine. I get it. Uh, and where am I at fault? Or not even where am I at fault, but like, is it necessarily true that colonization like taught us homophobia? Just to be more specific about it. All right, that's possible. Um, also, just like, don't really care to hear, hear it from him. One of those things that like, I'd rather just not hear from a non-black person. 
you know, which that might be wrong. Like I haven't really sat and dealt with that idea, but I was like, you know, I don't love this. <laughs> I don't love this idea. Because uh, also it didn't feel like necessary. But then again, because I mean, if if you believe, I mean, for instance, I, so, so the first one of those premises is just absurd, right? Like the homosexuality thing, that's just absurd. But the homophobic idea, right, if you believe that that's not true, that there was like already homophobia inherent, in, then, then, then just point it out, just prove it, just show how that like is wrong. Or It's like when I read the Bell Hooks book and she was saying that like, you know, black men basically learned all of this stuff by being obsessed with the big dick power that, um, that they got from Whitey. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's possible. I don't know. I don't know what was going on in Africa if there was no big dick power grabs uh, over there too, you know? So it's like, I, I get being skeptical of it. Um, but then like, I don't know, rather than just, eh, maybe I should have read a little bit more Edelman. But the point is, is that, there are things I disagree with. There are things I disagree with Bell Hooks or with Edelman or with other people. Uh, with Moten, it's like hard to even disagree with half the stuff because, you know, half of it's written so poetically or strangely or the syntax is so odd that you can't even wrap your mind around what it's trying to say. Uh, which, what, yeah, that would be another point is just the, the actual syntax of the book is just insane. Like, just insane stuff, you know? Like, E.E. E. Cummings level, like, what are you doing, man? Come on, just just write the work straightforward. You know, a little bit here or there, whatever. Everybody's got to have a little bit of flair to them and all, but this kind of work, really, it's already dealing with such weighty ideas. I don't need it. And yeah, like I said in previous podcasts, perhaps part of that idea was to be like, um, hey, like, uh, this is the aesthetic as I'm talking about the aesthetic, uh, which certainly would be invaginative. That would be an invaginative cut, as we've learned from Moten. That would be it, right? That would be us folding in on ourselves, the entire thing imploding like a star. So yeah, that's possible. <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, I did not enjoy it. Did not enjoy that reading experience. And then the last things I'll say I'm reserving for my friends and family. So first of all, the last podcast I talked about Nathaniel Mackey and uh, his idea about uh, Cante Moro and duende and then talk about my sister who is the entire reason that i even uh, write or had the confidence to try to write and she was way into the idea of duende uh early on it's actually part of her email address and so just shout out to uh my sister sarah and uh being into the darkness in art the dark words of art the duende so that's awesome and cool that um, it came full circle there for me on a personal note. I, I mean, she had mentioned to me what Duende means before. I just had never really got it, got it. And then I read that Nathaniel Mackey thing and I thought, oh, this is awesome. And then I sent it to her and um, I don't know if she read it yet, but yeah, hopefully she did. And then, yeah, Mackey. I want to get my hands on everything he's written, so hopefully I can do that. And then uh, the other thing, last thing here, note from my buddy rob who said in the last podcast he was listening to about how um rappers because he's thinking of the improvisation thing so this is in chapter one about how there's a thing before a thing an ordinary unit a the the moment before the natal moment and how like you hear rappers in a freestyle and then years later years later you will hear them use the same line in a in a song and so like there's no improvisation uh 
um, because, you know, although they were technically freestyling when they first used the line, like probably they just always had that, not probably, they, I mean, most likely they had that line in the hopper, you know, they were just waiting to use it. They were just waiting to use it and they busted it out and then they busted it out again. It becomes like a refrain. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking about hip hop with that, but I've been thinking about hip hop a lot through this book. But anyway, shout out to Rob for that idea. I definitely did like make me think for sure about the improvisation idea in, in hip hop. I I think anybody who's listened to hip hop has probably long wondered like how much of this is not real. And I mean, it's not like um you know, me and Rob are two giant hip hop fans. He freestyles, I've freestyled before. Not anymore. So it's not like we're like wondered about it because uh, we don't understand it. It's like because I've done it and because I'm so immersed in it, it's like how much of this is rehearsed, you know? And uh, there was an interesting story, I think that was on Radio Lab, maybe it was on NPR, about Black Thought and like his ability to do circular breathing, which I don't think is actually true when they actually investigated in the piece. But um, like he did a freestyle on um, the Hot 97 or whatever where he goes on for like 20 minutes or whatever. And it's like, I mean, you know, whatever, even if that's not exactly like improvisation, because it can't actually be real because improvisation is not real. Cause there's always a moment before the moment. Even if that's true, I don't care. Rattling off words for 20 minutes straight. Not easy. I guess that's what I'm doing right now. You know what I mean though, where they rhyme and follow a cadence and all of that. Okay. And then last, last thing. Oh, yeah, just my general thoughts about hip-hop in this book. You know, yeah, I mean, whatever. Moten was born, he said, 73, I think. Um, no, no, he was 8 and 73. So he was born a while ago. So, you know, for all these guys, like, hip-hop never factors into it. I just think it's really odd to write a whole book about voice and never bring up hip-hop. Not odd, like, odd, odd. Like, I mean, kind of a little bit odd, actually. Just you couldn't bring up one hip-hop guy. I mean, because that's so much the thing, like... And so I, I had responded to Rob in my text, but he actually hadn't listened to the second part of the podcast yet because it wasn't released yet. So how could he have possibly known what I was talking about? So apologies to Rob. But um, I I was thinking a lot about Gangstar's song, Mostly the Voice, which is an all-time great song. Guru gets into it and talks about mostly the voice and how it's the thing that gets you up uh, when you're listening to hip-hop. And... Um, yeah, I mean, probably the thing I would take the most away from this book is the idea of the black aesthetic uh, tradition in hip hop and how much of like how much I'm attracted to certain voices in hip hop, how much certain voices meet, mean and do more for me than other voices and how much of that has to do with the black aesthetic tradition. That would be an interesting project to uncover. I know as we get further along in this thing, by which I mean my life, this crazy thing we call life. Uh, as we get further along and more people my age are, you know, going to be Fred Moten's age when he wrote this book, which is like 42, we're going to get a lot more works which will deal with hip hop in this way. Not that we're not getting them right now. I know we are, but we're going to get a ton of works that really dissect hip hop and talk about it in, in the way that Fred Moten was talking about this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I do want to say I've been really harsh with my criticism of how the book is written. That doesn't mean that I didn't really admire the ideas here the guy's obviously brilliant he's engaged with some very weighty material he's put forth some very interesting ideas and like that that idea of voice will stick with me so i thought chapter two was by far the strongest and there's no, perhaps no coincidence that the book is named after chapter two 
I think like, you know, if you were teaching a, a college course, chapter two would be where you would go and where you would take one of the sections and put it as the required reading. And then you would use it to talk about Moten discussing Amiri Bakara um, and what it all means, uh, Amiri Baraka and what it all means. So, yeah, you know, I don't want to like, I, I've, I've probably gone too far on Moten and being like, oh man, this is difficult. And da, 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 da. But at the same time, like, did give me a lot of food for thought. Was awesome to be engaging with these ideas. I really did like a lot of the ideas he had. And yeah, the hip hop connection is really interesting to me. And I hope somebody does something with that. Now, obviously, the natural thing to say is, hey, why don't you do something with that? Well, I'm not a PhD scholar. Uh, I'm just a dude hosting a podcast about books that I'm trying to read and enjoy and uh, get something out of. And definitely got something out of this one. So. Yeah, I would engage with this work, but I would say if you've not read like any of the authors that I've mentioned while doing these four podcasts, you're going to have to read some. It's unavoidable. So before you engage with this work, maybe go down that route first and read some of those authors. Or conversely, if you'd rather, I would say just get a hold of section two, I mean, buy the book, whatever, but just read section two. And, you know, you could just engage with like Billie Holiday's work. Nathaniel Mackey, who's awesome, and Amiri Baraka, uh, Baraka, and that would be enough. You know, you would still need to throw in a sprinklings of a couple other people there, but that's probably almost enough to just get through there. And that was the best section of the book. So, yeah, there are two approaches, but I would absolutely not recommend my approach of just going in and then realizing like, oh, whoops, I need to go read all of this stuff. So, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's gonna do it. So in two weeks. We're going to be reading Noor by Nindi Okorafor. I know I'm not saying it right. But anyway, that's what we'll be reading. And I'm very excited. We're going to be doing fiction for about six weeks. So we're going to read a fiction book for the next six weeks. This Moten. We did Moten. And then before that, we did Martin Luther King. And now we are doing some fiction. Fiction, man. Doing some fiction. We're relaxing. So yeah, that's going to be fun. So yeah, if you want to read along... Nindy, oh, Nindy Okorafor's book, which is coming out, I think, like, now or something. I don't even know. I, I pre-ordered it on Amazon, so I don't know. It'll just get delivered, but whatever. Uh, to my Kindle, to be clear. Uh, anyway, but yeah, Noor. Noor. N-O-O-R. Noor by Nindy Okorafor. An adult novel. She's been writing some YA recently, but this is an adult novel. Thank goodness. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there that I hate YA. Sorry. Um, so I'm really, but although I enjoyed her YA books, actually the Binti trilogy was really good. Uh, so I should say I, I dislike or hate most YA. I don't want to lie about it. I really do hate most YA, but, uh, yeah, I'm quite happy to not be reading YA and to be reading a fiction book and for it to be by an author that I really like. So excited for that in two weeks and excited to be reading fiction for the next like month and a half. Uh, so yeah, until then. Stay safe, stay black, and keep reading.